This whole podcast project is nothing if not incredibly indulgent, so that's why today I'm going to give a brief history lesson and critique on one of my favorite musical theater fascinations, the absurdity and conundrum that is the musical chess. I thought of this because almost a year ago, on the 14th, I was lucky to see the best cast this dumb show has ever had perform a semi-staged stint at the Kennedy Center in D.C. Yeah, that's right. I spent last Valentine's Day seeing chess. Oh, but I, I wasn't alone. I was with my friend's mom. Chess was born when lyricist Tim Rice decided he wanted to make a musical about the Cold War told through the lens of the high-profile chess competition between the U.S. and Russia, particularly the match of grandmasters Bobby Fischer and Boris Spassky, which was highly publicized and politicized. Rice's usual writing partner, Andrew Lloyd Webber, was too busy writing Cats, so a producer suggested he instead see if Benny Anderson and Bjorn Olvaeus of Swedish supergroup ABBA were up to anything. Apparently they weren't because they said they'd do it. I think this is the show's first downfall and probably the root of all of its problems. Not the writing team necessarily, but that it came about the way it did. Rice didn't make chess because he had a narrative within an interesting setting to write about. He had an idea for a concept that a story would then be plugged into. Not to say this can't work. I bet some of the best musicals were developed this way. I just don't think it was done particularly well in this instance. A lot of chess feels like Cold War fan fiction, an alternative history that changes just enough to feel entertaining and romantic. Chess presents before us a cast of invented characters, Halloween costume substitutes for real historical figures like Fisher and Spassky. It tells the story of Freddie Trumper, the American chess rock star, and his second and lover, Hungarian refugee Florence Vassy, navigating the political machinations of the U.S. and Russia beneath the surface of what should be a completely innocent chess tournament. Freddie competes against the unhappy and unassuming Anatoly Sergeyevsky, whose disinterest in the political games endears him to Florence, inspiring a tryst between them and subsequently a breakdown of all trust and companionship with Freddie. Beneath it all, operatives from the CIA and the KGB manipulate and make moves, deploying gambits of their own to try to sway the competition in a way that will serve their nations. You know what? When boiled down, it doesn't sound all that bad. Chess looks good on paper, and even seems enticing if you hear one or two of the top songs, like bizarre radio single One Night in Bangkok, with its funky, mystifying rhythm and highly clever lyrics, or I Know Him So Well, the show-stopping two-woman duet ballad. But when you watch it all unfold, and watch everyone involved try to shove puzzle pieces where they don't belong and leave them there, you walk away wondering what exactly the endgame was, no pun intended. Chess first opened on the West End in 1986 to mixed reviews. It survived several years, however, and even saw Olivier nominations for Elaine Page's Florence as well as a few others. In preparation for its opening on Broadway in 1988, director Trevor Nunn decided to reimagine the show in a way that might appeal more to American audiences, which to him apparently meant adding more spoken words, among other things. This fact always makes me gasp for air when I read it. The first preview on Broadway ran four hours with a 90-minute intermission, part due to technical snafus, but by opening night, it had been cut to a still unbearable three hours and 15. It closed a mere three months later. 
As for the iteration of the show that I'm most familiar with, it would have to be the 2008 concert staging from the Royal Albert Hall. It stars Josh Groban and Adam Pascal as Anatoly and Freddie, respectively, and a post-wicked Edina Menzel honestly holding her own in the incredibly challenging vocal part of Florence. It leans to and fro between orchestral operatics and guitar-shredding pop-rock riffs, unsure of what to be, but shockingly comfortable in its loud, boisterous gray area. One moment to the next, we're wrapped up in a snarky, rollicking press conference with Freddie, the Mick Jagger of chess, then a bombastic, swelling lament about Anatoly's life, sweet and wistful love songs, and an all-hands-on-deck 11 o'clock number full of shouting, accusations, epiphanies, and a cataclysmic choir. All the while, we're meant to be learning about these characters and connecting with them, but they don't feel real. They're only ever as big as the score they're belting at any given moment. You feel what the music is telling you to feel, but you can't really believe it. The emotion of each song fades away like the effects of a magic spell wearing off as we move on to the next scene. You never want to walk away from a musical or any type of media thinking, those guys were fake. Those were fake people. That means something's going wrong inside. The characters make decisions based on what will allow the next song to happen. I get the idea that songs were written, beloved, and made to fit at the expense of the integrity of the characters. Florence is probably the strongest among them, yet her strength flounders in the company of an inconsistently moody bad boy rock star, an inconsistently loyal and disaffected chess champion, and a cast of others that fill in the blanks and further the plot. Today, chess is rarely done, and when it is, someone is always trying to fix it or play it like the epic it thinks it is. The production I saw last year was flaunted as debuting a brand new book by Danny Strong, and I thought it might be a step towards redemption for this weird, weird show. It was not at all. Strong's book inserted not much more than heavy-handed allusions to our present political situation and empty emotional flourishes. As I posited in my YouTube review of the Kennedy Center production, I'm not really sure chess can be fixed. I think there is something in its bones that can't be shaken out. I think someone would need to write a different show to make chess what we consider good. Despite all of this, I can't deny the fact that I find the soundtrack addictive. It's dynamic, extremely wordy, absolutely all over the place, and melodramatic to a fault. I love it. There are some melodies so jarring that I relish the uniqueness. They stick with me because I've never heard anything like it, which isn't necessarily a good thing. So I'm not going to tell you to not listen to chess or not to see it if you have the chance. In fact, kind of the opposite. Listen to it. Get wrapped up in that wild beast of a score and get it stuck in your head and then let's talk about it because it's one of my favorite things to discuss. If I may, I actually recommend the messy live concert version over the concept album or anything else. Or if you get the chance to see it live, I'm even more eager to hear how it was done. Or if you're a producer researching your impending production of chess, I can't say I would turn down the chance to play Florence if somebody offered. This has been day six of the February Project, a mini podcast where I am making audio pieces of 10 minutes or less every day in the month of February 19. It lives on a website called Batcamp, and the music you heard was from Chess and Concert. Yeah,